talking and it don't make sense Tell me what it's all about The truth is stranger the closer you get To the who, what, where, when, how Absurd is the word, guess what I heard Absurd is the word, guess what I heard Guess what I heard Guess what I heard Hey guys, this is Know What I Heard. I'm Jamie, and this episode is about just the racism and kind of general bigotry that is taking place in the U.S. Now, as a white person, I can't speak about what it's like to be a person of color in this country. So I asked my friend Linwood if he would join me. Um, Linwood and I met when we worked at Blockbuster Video in 2000, 2001-ish, somewhere in there. And we actually ended up living together for a few years, became great friends, and is somebody that I absolutely adore. He agreed to talk with me about what it's like to be a black person in this country. He shared some of his experiences that he's had with racism fears that he has for his kids as they're getting older, and what I can do as a white person to be an ally. So it was a very interesting conversation, and basically you're going to hear a condensed version of what ended up being about a three and a half hour long conversation with my friend. Um, I also wanted to share a another podcast, actually, that I listened to. Actress and activist Sophia Bush has a really interesting podcast. It's called Work in Progress. And she has an episode, it's actually episode number 73 on her podcast, where she talks with um, Jameel Smith, who is a journalist and a TV producer. And at the beginning of the episode, Sophia just talks about racism and I was bawling listening to what she had to say. She was so passionate and she summarized everything that I'm feeling but can say it much more eloquently and beautifully than I can say. Um, So I wanted to share it with you guys and I hope that you will go listen to that episode as well. Anyway, here's the conversation with Linwood. So, the topic of the evening, what are you thinking? (laughs) Well, I'm thinking that we're in the middle of some crazy, crazy bullshit, and I don't like it. I agree. I don't like it. The sad part is, it's just something I've gotten used to. And I know that sounds horrible, but it's just something I've gotten used to. I mean, you got to remember where I grew up. I grew up in the South. You almost become numb to it. Until people want it to change, it's not going to change. I mean, it sounds sad, but it's true. I mean, we're, I turned 43 years old this year. And in my 43 years, I have never really seen it as bad as it is now. Really? But the difference is, I just never saw it. It's always been there. You just never saw it. Right. Politically, there's a climate now where people are just more bold and more brazen with their actions because they feel like they can be. But Mm -hmm. these aren't things that are just coming out. They've always had these views. They just kind of kept them to themselves. Man, but when you see like the leader 
of the country, kind of <laughs> enforcing these views and pretty much celebrating them. It's I don't try to change their mind. There's no point anymore because they will find some little obscure, minuscule fact that, oh, well, look at this and look at this. And, look, and it, at that point, it's just I don't talk about it anymore because there's no point. As bad as it sounds, I have over probably the last 10 years shifted more from the Linwood that was outspoken and would say anything and do anything to more like my father, who was the peacekeeper, because it's kind of, I, I think that's my purpose here. You know, you go through some tough times and you kind of figure out who you are. And as much as I could be angry about everything and bitter and just, I, I just can't. I won't. It it brings you down. I mean, I've got kids that need to see a good example. They need to see not only a good example, but an example of somebody that can take the other person's side and understand their side, not necessarily agree with it, but at least understand it and say, hey, you know what? That's your opinion. This is my opinion. We don't have to agree. We can be different. We don't mm -hmm. have to have the same mindset. But you're not going to change my mind. I'm not going to change your mind. Let's talk about something else because we can go back and forth about it all day. Nobody's going to change. I mean, right. occasionally you might get so, get someone to see something differently. But for the most part, if you're 40 years old, you're not going to change what has been ingrained in you for the last 40 years. Yeah, unfortunately, unless something impacts someone personally, there's not a lot of empathy yep. taking place. That's what is the worst about it, and you will understand it because I, I have a lot of friends. To me, people are just people. I don't care how you identify. If you're a good person, you're a good person. If you're not, you're not. That's the only two classifications, <laughs> right. good or bad. Somebody I want to hang out with, somebody I don't want to hang out with. Now people like view black people, gay people, almost on the same level. Like It's like, oh, well, you can't say this, and you can't say this, and you don't understand. It's like, how could I not understand about being a black man in America? I mean, honestly, people never think about it from our point of view, but I'm terrified to get pulled over, especially with my kids in the car. And I know I don't do anything wrong, but I am terrified to get pulled over because I don't want to see them or them to see me get shot over a misunderstanding. So I'm that, that guy that now in my 40s drives like three miles over the speed limit, puts his blinker on just to turn anywhere because I don't want anyone to have any excuse to say, hey, you know what? We're going to pull him over. No, I am terrified to get pulled. Right. It shouldn't be something that I have to deal with, but I do. Yeah. And I mean, and I can understand like just what it feels like to be discriminated against, but I don't have rainbow skin it's it's not the first thing people see about me. That's pretty good. And, you know, it's kind of scary. It really is that you say it like that, but you get it. And when I say people get it, like, you understand. Some people will never understand that, no matter what. Jamie, you've been around me, like, we've known each other for damn near 20 years. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I am not just some country bumpkin idiot. I am highly intelligent very educated but no matter what sometimes i get pulled over and all they see is a black dude driving a fifty thousand dollar truck and the first thing out of their mouth is whose vehicle is this it's like well who's driving it now for the most part i live in overland park i will give overland park kansas a big big shout out 
I have never experienced anything in Overland Park that was even remotely racist. Not even close. Now, for a couple of years, we lived in Leewood. This is a true story. We lived in Leewood right down from the police station. And a few years back, I started like at like 10 o'clock. I would go and I would get a fountain drink of Dr. Pepper. I don't know why I got addicted to Dr. Pepper. And one night I raised the garage, walked out of the garage and backed away from the garage. And a Leewood police officer pulled me over in the driveway of my house. And a true story. He pulled me over in the driveway. And when he pulled me over, he comes to the car. And the first thing he says is, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, I have absolutely no clue. And he goes, well, there have been a lot of break-ins in the area. And, you know, they just, I said, you're kidding, right? And he goes, no, there's just been break-ins. I said, I have lived in this house for nearly three years. I remember a couple of years ago when there was a break-in, but it was the people next door. And it wasn't really a break-in. There was a guy that jumped her fence. And the cops are looking for him. He goes, oh, oh, so you have been here for a while. I was like, well, what part of that didn't give it away? So, (laughs) Jesus. yeah, he literally pulled me over in my driveway. And then when our interaction finished, he, I would go to the quick trip. He pulled up to Mm -hmm. the quick trip and I walked up to him and I asked him what his name was. I filed a complaint and they didn't do a thing about it. The, the person that I filed the complaint with said, oh, well, he's been on the force for a number of years. He's never had any complaint. Okay, well, I'm giving you one now. <laughs> they were like, oh, you're probably just taking it the wrong way. Well, I appreciate you telling me how I feel. It just seems like African-American people as a whole now are a little more on edge with everything because yeah. I don't want to be in somebody's video online. I don't want to be in somebody's grocery store where they're like, oh, well, he stole this and he did this. I'm like, bro, I, I'm 40-something years old. I, I can't run that fast anymore. I'm not stealing anything. <laughs> <laughs> where would I put it? Please tell me where I put it, you know? That's the daily experience of me. I mean, you know, it happens a lot of places. And I, I just, I have learned to be very super, super tolerant of just about everything because you have to be. Because as scary as the world is now, somebody says something that I don't like, I say something back, my kids are with me. All these crazy people, white, black, Mexican, Indian, whatever, people carry guns now. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I the last thing I need is, hey, can you put your mask on and take eight warning shots in my back, you know? So I just kind of keep to myself. This is this is the life that I have chosen to live because now everybody has a mask on. And that was a big, big concern for me. This this is probably something that no, not a lot of people thought about. When COVID first started, I did not wear a mask at all. And everybody was mad. They were like, oh, you're, why are you not wearing a mask? You're germaphobe, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I am absolutely a germaphobe. But imagine a 200-pound, 5'11 black dude walking into a grocery store at 12 o'clock at night with a black mask on, Jamie. Right. What's the first thing they're going to think? So I didn't wear a mask anywhere. I was out on wearing a mask because the last thing I needed was some itchy trigger finger clerk going, oh, my God, he's trying to rob us. So 
until they mandated that you had to wear a mask, I didn't. And people didn't get it. Well, I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm like, it's bad enough (laughs) being scared to be pulled over, but I would come home late from work. I would come home late from, you know, visiting friends or whatever, and it'd be midnight. I'd stop to get gas. And the first thing I'm supposed to do is put in a mask and go into a store with nobody in it? No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just that just always has to be just on your mind, you know, like just how are people going to perceive me when I go do this, whatever. And it like, it just breaks my fucking heart. And that's why I wanted to, you know, do this episode because I mean, this girl can talk about racism and, and the issues that are going on all day long, but it doesn't really mean anything. I can't speak for a black person and what they're, treatment is like what that what their life is like and that's why i reached out to you and wanted you to be a part of it because i mean it really is it's just about empathy and it's like people are sick of hearing about the the race stuff that's going on and if you're sick of hearing about it because you are compassionate and it upsets you and it makes you sad then like let's do something about it if you're sick of hearing about it because you don't think it's a big deal, then you're fucking racist and you're part of the problem. Think about it like this. You've known me for years. I am the least intimidating person you will ever meet. I'm goofy. I laugh. I joke. There's (laughs) nothing intimidating about me. I don't even, I don't know that you ever saw me pissed off because it's just not me. I, I don't really get mad about anything. I internalize it. Yeah. I was gonna say you would, you would withdraw. Like if I knew something was wrong or whatever, I you know, you'd be maybe in your room a little bit more or whatever, but I never once saw you raise your voice or get angry. Nothing. You just said it better than anybody who knows me. Whenever something bothers me, I get very distant. I don't get mad. I won't yell at you. I won't scream at you. People always look at me and they'll see me going back and forth with these people and never losing my cool. And they say, why don't you just delete this person? That's the easy way out. That's the coward's way out. If you delete them, guess mm-hmm. what? It's not going to change who they are. It's going to make them worse because then they have a they have a valid excuse of, oh, well, look, he got mad. He didn't like my opinion. He deleted. No, I won't engage with them for a long time, but I don't delete them. I want to see their negative post. I want to see the crap that they're saying because then it just paints a picture in my head of exactly what's going on in the world. Right. Because you see these people every day. and. The difference is, and this is, nobody ever understood this when I said it, but I learned this one from my dad. I'd rather the Ku Klux Klansman that walks up to me and says, hey, I don't like you. I don't like you because you're black. I would rather that. You know why? Because you know exactly what he feels about you from the start. But it's these other people that are like wolves in sheep's clothing that are like coming over to your house and you know, eating food with you, taking you out to dinner, hanging out with you. And then you see some silly shit they post online and you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that you don't get. And I'm sure you got it. Well, I just, yeah, I've had an emotional time lately or just like, it's put me in a dark place. There's just a lot of shit that's making me sad right now, but it's weird to feel people that like, face to face act like they're on your side but 
then they're so vocal about where they stand politically. And you're like, but you're about to vote against me. Like, and I, I don't think that many white Christian straight Americans understand the impact that that has on the minorities in their lives and that it does feel personal. It makes me pissed off for you and all of my other friends who are minorities. And it just kind of gives you a different perspective on things, even if your experience isn't the same. Like I said, being from where I'm from probably made me a little more tolerant. I grew up in North Carolina where they still have active branches of the Ku Klux Klan. Mm -hmm. And I still see people that I went to high school with post just the dumbest stuff. They'll always say the same thing. And it's almost offensive when they say it, but I've just learned not to let it offend me. Well, I know how smart you are. It's like, okay, if you know how smart I am, is that like, is that like saying that most black people aren't smart? Like, what are you trying to say? Or, well, well, you don't sound black. That's my favorite. How do black people sound? Like, tell me. Is there like a criteria or something? Like, did I miss it? Did I miss that meeting? Or did I miss the blackness scale? <laughs> They're like, well, you just don't sound black. You sound educated. So all black people sound like hood ass people. That's what you're trying to tell me. Because I'll tell you right now, that is the most racist thing you can say. And you've been around, you know, they always say the same thing to start off with. Well, I don't want to offend you, but And it's like, okay, so the next thing that's about to come out of your mouth is going to offend the hell out of me. So don't say it. Uh, Yeah, that whole, well, no offense, but it's like, just fucking stop right there, okay? You used to say something, and I remember like some of your friends saying it, and and other people just over the years I've heard say, he's the whitest black guy I know. And I hope that you don't use that anymore. No, I don't. But was that just kind of like a... Like a self-protective Yep. It's it's because thing. Okay. when they started saying it, I said it so that it was just something that they didn't say to offend me because then, then I control the narrative. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. You know, it's kind of like, oh, let me just say it first because it's a lot easier if I just poke fun at myself than you fuckers saying it. Yep. Like, what are some things that you think white people can do to help the situation that has happened i'm gonna tell you one and it will freak you out but you gotta try it just go to a black church on a sunday okay (laughs) and you will see like what the african-american dynamic is all about okay find a black church and all you got to do is just walk up to anybody in the grocery store that is African-American and ask them what church they go to. <laughs> okay. Just go to that church. I'm, I promise you it will open your eyes to a lot because no matter who you are, they will treat you like you are gold at that church. And that's what it takes is a lot of what goes on in the world is fear. They don't understand us. They don't know us. So rather than trying to figure it out, they live in fear. Well, I've heard all these stories about this person. I've heard all these stories about that person. And you know what? This person and that person is not me. Each person is an individual. Just because my skin is the same color as the skin of somebody that hit your daughter doesn't mean I'm going to hit your daughter. Maybe if you ask me, I'll hit the dude that hit your daughter for you. But you can't (laughs) walk around in fear because of, you know, this was my past experience. Nothing is more 
uneducated and bumpkin to me than, well, this is how I grew up. Okay, change it. If you want to change yeah. it, you can. But don't exactly. use that as a scapegoat. I grew up writing with my left hand. Guess what? If you break your left hand, you learn to write with the right one. Ah, it's That's just how they were raised. It's it's this. It's No, it's crap. I hate it when people say, well, it was a different time. No, it wasn't. It was a different group of people. Right. There's no reason today that anyone under the age of 20 should be racist in any way, unless they are taught that. Because they go to school with Black people. There's Black people in the news. There's, there was a Black president. Damn. And you don't like <laughs> Black people? So somebody taught you that. You're never born that. Somebody taught you not to like that. That's the thing. So at one point, just go to a Black church. And you will see exactly what I'm talking about. They will treat you like family at that church. Black people are some of the most accepting people in the world. And when I say that, you will never understand it until you just go somewhere that you see a group of black people in a group. They will come up to you. They will introduce themselves. They will talk to you like nobody's business. You will have a friend who is going to sit next to you and just talk to you the whole time to a point where you're going to go, okay, I don't even know who this lady is. <laughs> and if they eat at the church, they're going to make you eat with them. They're going to tell you who cooked this, Sister Mabel, you know, all of these things. You will know more information about people at that church than you ever want to, but it feels good because you get it. Right. But I'm telling you, you can't do the same thing at a white church. You can't. Like, but there are churches that are mostly white that if I walked into, they'd be like, well, who is he here with? Who came? Right. Who brought him with him? Sometimes churches aren't like that. Black people are some of the most accepting people in the world if you give them the opportunity to be. Right. But people don't give them the opportunity to be because they have all these ill-conceived stereotypes of they shouldn't do this and they shouldn't do this. And that's not the case. Like, Just be who you are around them and they're going to be who they are around you. Right. I think sometimes, too, like when you are a minority and you're kind of in your pocket with a lot of people like you and an outsider or someone that you wouldn't expect kind of comes into that world, it, it, it just kind of opens things up like my dad one time visited me in Nashville and he was like, I would like to go to a gay bar with you. And we went and he was just surrounded by lesbians and it was fantastic. We're just like the effort that he made to want to kind of come into my environment and reach out like, you know, it just it just meant a lot. I know that's totally different. No, no, it, it really isn't. It's just, it's exactly what I told you to do. You've got to make an effort to try to understand the other part of it. It is that empathy that we're talking about, because so many people are just like, Oh, well, I don't want to be around these people and I don't want to be like, Jamie, I'm 43 years old. I keep mentioning that for a reason. I've seen it all my life. I can go. I can still go get in an elevator and there are people that will still clutch their purse. There are still people in this world that we are in today that if I am on the sidewalk, they will move their purse to the other side. But again, I'm a 43 year old black man who limps and wearing a big ass boot right now. (laughs) And I wear glasses, so they can't say, oh, he looks intimidating. And normally I have a kid in each hand. There's nothing intimidating about me when I'm out in public. Nothing. No. 
like most of the tattoos I have, you can't even see them. I have my ears pierced. Ooh, that's about it. But there's nothing intimidating. But there are still people in this society that we are in. I mean, it happens all the time that will clutch their purse in the elevator or clutch their purse and move to the other side of the sidewalk. It's like, you do know I can still use the same bathroom as you is what I want to say, you know, (laughs) but I don't. Right. Because it's not really worth it. Are those the people that make a difference to you? No, they don't. But you just want them to learn to be more tolerant. Are there things that you can think of that like people maybe don't intend to be racist, but are (laughs) like they? (laughs) Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So I'm going to give you my (laughs) top five. I promise they're not meant to be funny, but they are. Okay. (laughs) If you have a black friend, never ask them, let me touch your hair. Just don't. Don't do it. (laughs) Really, don't do it. Because if you do, you may not think it's racist. And it's not really racist. It's just insensitive as hell. Let me touch your hair. Are you kidding right now? Don't touch my hair. You know? (laughs) Okay, noted. So... The number two is don't start asking questions that are stereotypical. Well, do you like chicken? Do you like watermelon? Let me guess. You're going to get the grape soda. It's like, dude, seriously, you are going to catch these hands if you say some crazy shit. Like, like, even if it's just joking, like you got to wait for people to bring up that kind of shit before you start saying it, because otherwise it's insensitive again. This one is one that most people don't think about. You cannot make jokes, racist jokes about other cultures in front of your black friends because in the back of their head, they go, well, what is she or he saying when I'm not around? It's one of those things that people don't think about. But if you're making jokes, if you're making jokes about Chinese people and you're making jokes about like Indian people and you're making jokes about this person and talking in the different Indian voice, you know what I mean? To your black friend, Mm -hmm. people don't think about it, but they do. What is that? Number three? Yeah, that's number three. <laughs> Don't ask about the family dynamic. When I say the family dynamic, well, is your dad still around? Stuff like that. Like, there's little things mm. that are associated that, you know, well, what do your mom and dad do? That's none of your business until I decide to tell you, you know? You can ask. <laughs> right. But don't get all personal to start off with. Like, just kind of chill and, like, wait for it to happen. And then... The single biggest one, and we have touched on this before, do not tell a black person that they sound, they don't sound black or that they are the whitest black person you know, because it is offensive as hell. It really is. Because that's like saying, when you say you don't sound black, that would be the equivalent of saying, well, you don't sound dumb and uneducated. And they don't think about it that way, but that's basically what they're saying. You don't sound uneducated. What? Right. This one kind of goes along with, again, we mentioned it. It's the whole, well, no offense, but if you have to put a disclaimer on it before you say it, then don't. (laughs) At that point, it's like, well, here it comes. Might as well go on again. Well, think about it from this standpoint also. What if someone walked up to you and said, Jamie, you're gay. You don't sound gay. Well, what do gay (laughs) people sound like? Tell me so I know. I mean, I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. God. Yeah. You know, it just is, it's so insulting to be questioned about your history, your life, and 
how dare you question my experience? People's responses to, you know, the Black Lives Matter or, I mean, just everything that's been going on, the protests and everything. And it's like, you can't assume what that experience is like. You can't. Like I said, I can talk about this all day long and talk about how frustrated and sad it makes me, but I still can't speak for you. I can't speak about your experience, but I want to understand it. Like I want to hear what it's like for you. The one thing that you're doing differently than a lot of people is you didn't, you didn't reach out to a white friend and say, Hey, I wonder what it would be like to be black for a day because they can't tell you. Yeah. (laughs) You reached out to a black friend and you said, you know what? Tell me about what's going on with you. Like, what is your experience? What better way to get the experience than to talk to somebody that experiences it? It's refreshing to have someone who actually is taking the time to try to get a different perspective on it. It's doing research. You don't go to the library to write a paper about nuclear physics and not get a book on nuclear physics. You can't write it, you know, from a magazine article because the magazine article is condensed. Right. You need a book. You need to do the research. And your research is, hey, Linwood, tell me what's going on with you. Like, you know, same same token for me. I could ask you a bunch of questions about some of the experiences you have as a gay female. How could I even begin to think of what it would be like to be you? Like, the experience is what I'm talking about. It's the same thing with you. Like, so many people don't get it. You were born how you are, just like I was born black. There ain't nothing I can do to change it. There's nothing I would want to do to change it. But people don't get that. It's like I woke up one day and said, hey, God, make me black. And he just snapped his fingers and all of a sudden I have melanin. You know, that's not how it happened. I was born this way. So I've been experiencing this this stuff since birth, high school, elementary, all of that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's why whenever people say, well, well, all lives matter. Black Lives Matter does not mean that only Black Lives Matter. It means that Black Lives have to matter as well. Right. Because right now, we live in a society that unfortunately was not made by your typical African-American person to be governed by your typical African-American person that has rules that are even relevant for your typical African-American person. Here's the thing. Neither one of us is old enough to experience some of the things that our parents probably did. That's why it bothers me so much when people say, oh, it's how I was raised. You know, that's that's not really a good excuse. It's not an excuse anymore. People are tired of it now because if you want it to change, do something, be the change. It it boggles my mind because, I mean, there are people that I I grew up in the same town with. You know, there's definitely closed-minded people and definitely very open-minded, accepting people. And it's just like, how did we, we all grew up from the same town with a mostly white community. Like, don't give me that shit. We didn't all walk out of here bigots. Well, it's, it's a choice. It is. That is definitely a choice because you choose to see what you want to see. This is going to sound horrible. But I will explain it afterwards. People that hear it to start off with will probably go, whoa, wait, he lost me. Black people have a reason to have the biggest chip on their shoulder. But they don't. They don't. I mean, think about it. You know, you're bought and sold as property. 
the arguments that you get when you hear these things sometimes, well, white people were slaves too. I get it. There were Irish slaves. There were Chinese slaves. But now those same Irish and Chinese people are considered higher on the scale than black people because there are these, oh, well, black people don't work and all they do is have kids and they do this. And it's like, you know what? Statistically, the numbers are so close on anything racial, it doesn't even make sense. I I, I hate the whole, well, what about black on black crime? Okay. Do you <sighs> know how many white people kill white people? It It's yeah. not based on... It, it's so stupid. That is the dumbest argument in the world. Black on black crime. Do you know why that is? It's because black people were put into neighborhoods that were poor neighborhoods and they had to live in neighborhoods like right on top of each other. So, yes, there's going to be crime in those neighborhoods. However, do black people just ride around and just shoot random white people? No, the people that kill white people are white people. It's because of where you live. Most people live in neighborhoods that are either predominantly white or predominantly black. So yes, if somebody kills somebody, it's typically a black dude killing a black dude or a white dude killing a white dude. Right. So that's really, that's the dumbest argument in the world. One thing that always gets me too is like when when people talk about like welfare or different issues and they kind of make it a black and white issue. You know what I mean? That it's black people that take advantage of the system. And I'm like... Oh, but your cousin that lives on Doritos and Mountain Dew and has seven kids that is on welfare, doesn't have a job, and is just milking the system for all it's worth, that's cool. But it's only a problem when a black person needs assistance and, you know, a woman might have three jobs trying to support her kids, but just needs a little help and maybe, you know, might get some food stamps. But that's a bigger problem than fucking donna joe down the street that's you said donna joe <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, i was trying to think of some white white trash shit name <laughs> oh no oh no you did a good job on that one but that just that like well you know this is a problem like yeah nobody wants people taking advantage of stuff but if it's only an issue for you if it's someone of color then that's racist and that's a problem and like it's just those things that i think people need to go oh yeah i do have a different idea when it's a black person versus a white person doing it why do i do that like i just wish people could just take a minute and go wow yeah i did have that stereotype i did make that assumption i did jump to those conclusions why do i do that i i got an even better one for you oh Nothing is more infuriating than when they say, well, I don't like Mexican people because they're taking our jobs. Now, I'm going to pause you for just a second. Please (laughs) tell me one job that Hispanic people do that they took from you that you don't think is below you. So let's go through the top jobs that Hispanic people do. They're gardeners. Mm -hmm. They're lumberers. They're laborers. They build roofs. They do like, you know, like manual labor on anything. Or I I would love to go pick apples on a scorching yes. 120 degree day and make. For $3 an hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. And also the same, the same people that bitch about it are probably the same people that are going to go hire those people for the day, pay them under the table 
are part of the problem, like this problem that they yep. think is out there. It's like, yeah, it's just silly to listen to their argument. Like you hear their argument, well, we're going to build that wall because they're coming in here and they're taking our jobs. That's their number one complaint. And they don't pay taxes. So let's break this down on a whole different <laughs> level. Jamie. They're taking the job that you want to do. Okay. Go get on that roof in the hundred degree sun and send every penny you make back to your family. Go, mm -hmm. you do it, please. I encourage you. Get the best tan of your life. Second yeah. part of that, do you know why they're not paying taxes? Oh, well, let me tell you. Because half of the time, the person that is employing them is paying them in cash so he doesn't have to provide health insurance for them. Therefore, they're not paying taxes. But they're not paying taxes because they don't want to. They're paying taxes because Bob, the farmer, is not reporting that he is paying them because he is paying <laughs> right. them a non-livable wage. Right. But he puts them up in these houses on his land. They're trailers that have barely functioning things. And mm -hmm. that's a good life for them. You know it's terrible when they come over here and will live in substandard conditions just to be able to get away from where they're at. But Lazy so Steve maybe. down the road is just chomping at the bit to do these jobs. Mm -hmm. And you see these same people, well, they're taking my jobs. And they go to the unemployment office. Well, I can't do that. I'm not working at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Is it because of all the Mexican people that work there? They took your job? Really? Hmm. <laughs> no, it's because you think it's below you and you, you would rather do nothing than make 10, 12 bucks an hour serving hamburgers. It doesn't have to be your life. It could just be your start. I mean, we've both done crap jobs, you know? Hello, Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My wife, Amber, was like, so where did you guys meet? I'm like, Blockbuster? Have I never told you this? She's like, you worked at Blockbuster? Yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah, I did. I know. We used to have so much fun at Blockbuster. You know, we've been talking about race relations. And I, I want you as a person, you know, of non-color to think about this. Have you ever seen how sometimes people of color are treated at grocery stores? More, I can say the racist shit that I've heard white people say about not going to specific grocery stores because of yes. clientele. Well, that's what I mean is they're herded. And when I say they're herded, they put a grocery store in a specific neighborhood that is for these people. And it doesn't have the same things in it that the other grocery mm -hmm. store in a different neighborhood will have. And by herding, right. I'll, I'll take it a whole different way. Why are black hair care products and things like that put into one little section rather than them just being in the, in the section that is, because if you go in to buy stuff for your hair, you go to the, the aisle that has stuff for your hair on it. Little section at the end that has stuff for African American hair. To me, hmm. it is the most separatist thing you can do. Like, why? Seriously, why? Yeah. There's other little things that people haven't realized. You go to some pretty shitty neighborhoods. Notice the kind of stores that are around. There's liquor stores and gun stores and chicken places and liquor stores and pawn check shops. Check cashing places. Check, yes. And that's, that's the difference yeah. because that's what they think we're worth. Where there's a whole dynamic of African-American people that are successful who don't need those things but we still have to contend with them because that's what they think we're worth wow i mean if you google my name linwood williams if you google it 
it comes up as typically a 72-year-old white man from Florida. And as much as it's it's shitty to say, it probably benefits me because it does come across as a name of not somebody that's going to be like a black dude. So I probably would typically get a second look if I was applying for a job because they're like, oh, this is a white dude, you know? And then I then they hear me on the phone and don't meet me in person. And they're like, oh, well, he doesn't sound black. But that's the kind of stuff that we deal with, you know? Yeah. So for someone like me who wants to make a difference but doesn't necessarily know the best route to take or how to talk to people, like what what suggestions would you have for someone? First and foremost, stay away from protests. Now, hear me out when I say this. It's not for the reason you think. But protests right now are just unsafe altogether because you never know what's going to happen. There are people in our society that are always going to be extremists. So I'm just saying, if you decide to go, go in groups, be very safe, be cognizant, be aware of your surroundings. But I choose not to go to protest because, again, you never know what people are going to do. Right. Do you think the people in Tennessee knew, or not Tennessee, Virginia knew that some dude was going to plow through the crowd? No. Right. And you would be more of a target than black people there because there are, like in these protests where there are a bunch of black people and a few white people, who stands out more? But the other thing that you can do is just ask questions. And don't ask questions just to like get an answer. Ask questions so you can change some of the things that you may not even realize you do. You are not the best example because you've always been very empathetic when it comes to everything because it's you. Like you never saw me as a black dude. You just saw me as a dude. Yeah. And continue to ask questions. But the biggest thing, biggest thing that you personally can do is hold people accountable. You know, some, and I'm sure you have witnessed this because you grew up in a small town. So you've been around people who maybe have said something that was offensive as hell. And you you just kind of have to sit back and go, did this person really say that? Maybe they dropped the N-bomb. Or maybe they didn't know that you had a black friend and they said something that was just covertly racist. Mm-hmm. Hold them accountable. Tell them, hey, you know what? I know I'm your friend, but that is not acceptable to me. Don't be silent anymore. Because for so long, people have said stuff that is different than how you feel. And rather than say anything, you just go, oh, you know, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to rock the boat. No, rock the boat. My grandma, my grandma, like, don't ever date a white girl. Don't ever date a white girl. And then, you know, I marry one and have biracial children. You know, she loves her grandkids or her great grandkids. She loves them. But her initial reaction was no, 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 no. But now, like, she doesn't see anything because she had to get over it. Because at this point, if you're going to be covertly or overtly racist around me, you're not going to see my kids. Yeah. It's like, I won't subject them to that. So hold people accountable. Even if it's a family member, you got to get uncomfortable with those conversations. If you have a family member that says the N word, call them out on it. Tell them, hey, you know what? I don't like that word. You're not going to use it around me. And if you decide that you want to use it around me, then I'm not going to be around you. Make them like have those uncomfortable conversations with them. We don't have to agree on this, but you cannot say that in front of me. 
that is one thing that I have started doing. Yep. Not only like preparing myself for certain people who I've watched a room full of people just kind of, you know, let that person get away with saying something that made all of us uncomfortable, but none of, nobody spoke up that like the next time that happens, I am going to say something. And I actually did kind of start a, <laughs> one of my brothers made a comment a few weeks ago when I was home that I felt was really racist and really judgmental and inappropriate. And I called him on it and it made things incredibly awkward for a while. And, you know, but I was like, no, fuck it. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to let somebody assume that the racist closed minded shit that's coming out of their mouth is okay with me. That is, I'm glad that you brought that up. And that's a really good point. And I hope that people that hear this, make an effort to do that yeah don't bring it up two days later when you know the coast is clear and he's not gonna have a, a violent reaction to it call them to the table i have black friends i have white friends if my black friends say something that is racist against white people mexican people chinese people whatever i will say you know what I, that's just not cool like how would you like it if people said that about you well black people can't be racist that's absolute horseshit black people can be racist I, some of the things that I've experienced, specifically the last four years, people are more, they're just more apt to say something online that they wouldn't before. If, if I went through my Facebook and just read a bunch of the things from some of the people that I went to high school with, people that I grew up with, like people I used to stay at their house, their mom and dad called me their son, you know, stuff like that. And then you hear them say things now and their parents are less racist than they are and you're like what in the world is going on you know there was this big controversy about the confederate flag do i necessarily think it's racist not necessarily racist but i think they know what it stands for. Right. so it's offensive you can't tell me what offends me you can't perception is the key and that's the difference in everything so call people on their bullshit i applaud you it takes a really, really, really different kind of person to say, hey, you know what? I'm your sister. I heard what you said. I didn't like it. I didn't appreciate it. And and have that conversation then and there. It is uncomfortable. It's it's like you never want to think of these people in a bad light. But at the same time, that's that's the single biggest thing you can do to be an ally. Yeah. If If you want to be an ally don't be afraid to ruffle somebody's feathers. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't go into every situation looking to pick a fight. I was going to ask you, because you, you mentioned your kids. Like, what, what fears do you have for them growing up? And, like, do you talk to them about what's been going on? Somewhat, but for the most part, I wait for them to ask questions. And there's a reason for that. Now, some people want to agree with my parenting on it. They say, oh, you should approach the issues with them. They're still young. I want them to experience being kids. Mm -hmm. So if they ask a question, I will not cover the issue. I will not make excuses for people. Um, my daughter is eight. Her name is Macy. She will say things like, well, why does Donald Trump not like black people? And why does Donald Trump not like, you know? And I just explain to her, maybe. Maybe he's misunderstood, but at the same time, that that's not how we are going to be. We love everybody for who they are. doesn't matter what color they are. So it's not like I'm giving him credit 
I just don't put that much into it because the more I put into it with her, the more she will. Mm -hmm. So I want her to be smart enough to be able to recognize and dissect people on her own as opposed to me telling her, well, you shouldn't like this person because it's Donald Trump. Yeah, that's that's what's wrong with a lot of what's going on is these people hear their parents saying this and they hear their mom and dad and their grandma and their aunts and their uncles saying these things and they are just brought up that way and they go well that's how i should be no you should be free thinking and and learn to dissect things yourself i'm going to tell them figure out what works for you and then go with it but have passion about it have a reason not just because somebody else is doing it but it's got to make sense to you mm-hmm. my biggest fears with them that my children, because of their fair skin, they get accepted into this culture of people seeing them as not necessarily half black or half white, but they are very fair skinned. So I think people are going to always try to identify them as white, no matter what they say. And then at some point, some kid is going to realize that they're not just white. They're half black and half white, and they are going to say something and it is going to hurt them. And I'm going to have to explain it to them. That's what my biggest fear is. And when you have biracial children, it's like you're almost too black to be considered white and too white to be considered black. So you're outcast. Right. And that's what my fear is. (laughs) I don't want them to ever be in a society where they have to choose. I want them to be who they are. I don't want them to say, well, I identify as black. I identify as white. I just want them to identify as them. Right. It scares me because I'm going to, at some point, I know I'm going to have to have that conversation because some kid is going to use a word that they don't like or that they have learned is a bad word, the N-word particularly. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to have to explain it to them. And that will be a hard conversation to have. Right. What happens if they say it? Yeah. They don't They don't realize it, you know? Mm-hmm. And they think that's okay. And then they say it to the wrong person. and. You know, I'm fearful of a lot. Yeah, I imagine so. I'm worried about Tate as he's as he gets 16. Is he going to know what to do when he gets pulled over? It's a conversation that I'm going to have to have with him. I mean, Camille will be 16 in January. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it makes you feel old, huh? <laughs> it's just it's just amazing how fast time's flown by. It's crazy. I will have a licensed driver in January, and I'm just I'm trying to. Think of the words to make sure that she understands. And Camille, over the last couple of years, has developed a strong sense of pride in her African-American culture. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. I want her to accept who she is. But my daughter is the most tender-hearted person you will ever meet. So when someone at college or someone, you know, somewhere says something that is borderline racist, she is going to react in a way that I don't know how to to not be angry about. Right. And the one thing you remember about me is I'm very protective. Mm-hmm. That's a conversation that I'm not looking forward to. I guess one thing that I, I kind of wanted to ask you, oh, we touched on it, but I just want to be like a little bit more clear. So if a white person does have a black friend or a family member or whatever it might be, do you think it's, it is okay to go to someone and say, I want to talk to you about racism or what your experience is 
that's okay for a white person to do. I don't want to be like, tell me about being black. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, <laughs> like you got to have a little like, so, truth, <laughs> okay. So here is, here is the way to bring up that conversation. It is, I am trying to understand more than just my perspective. Can you give me an example of this? Can you give me an example of this? Because I want to see what I would have done, but I want, I don't want you to tell me the outcome. I want you to tell me the, the basics and then I want to see what I would have done and how different it is from what you did. I'm going to think differently right now. I'm going to look at it from a different perspective and say, how would I react if I was that person? No, I was just going to say, like, there's kind of that that line that you don't want to cross that it's like, I want to be empathetic and I want to understand your situation, but I also don't want to single you out as one of the yep. few black people or Jewish people or, you know, Muslims that I know because I want to understand, like, I, you don't want to make, I, I would never want to make someone uncomfortable calling them out in a sense for being a minority, but like, I wouldn't be offended if somebody came to me and was like, I want to know about your experience coming out or whatever. I'd be like, absolutely. But I never want to make that assumption that everybody's okay with that. The, the biggest part of it is it has to be a conversation that you decide to do one-on-one. -on -one. Don't make it like a group conversation. Like put it on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. See, this is different though, because you talked to me about it before. I decided to do the podcast. I could have said no. You gave me an option. When you sent me the invite to do it, you were like, I completely understand if you don't want to. I was like, no, I'm cool with it. I'm comfortable <laughs> with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you decide that you are going to do something like this, you have to be willing to hear both sides of it. It's different to listen to you and me say, well, Jamie, I understand what you're talking about, but that's not completely right. No, no, no. That's crap. I've sat here and I can listen to your perspective on it and say, you know, I never really thought about it that way. You can listen to me and say, I never really thought about it that way. But a lot of people can't have that conversation because they're so scared of someone swaying their decision and them not having free thought. Mm -hmm. it, it's not me telling you that you have to be different. It's me telling you just take a different look at it. So you got to be able to take yourself out of your own situation and flip it and say, if I was Jamie right now, what would I be thinking? Right. And be willing to accept that other people have different views than you have, but you can't use it against them. You just got to learn from those views. If I can get one person to not necessarily change their mind, but one person to just broaden their mind and understand that this stuff does really happen. People don't just make this up. Like you, you see a million videos of this person getting snatched out of their car and that person getting snatched out of their car and you're like, but he really didn't do anything. Imagine the person that's getting snatched out of their car. They're they're screaming, but I didn't do anything. Just imagine that person. Hmm. I mean, the whole cop thing, it's kind of on the line for me. And when I say it's kind of on the line, there are good cops, there are bad cops. But it goes back to what I just said to you. Hold these people accountable. So the good cops that are out there, they need to hold these bad cops accountable. If they see something that is wrong, if they see something that is is unjust, don't just go home and talk about it with your wife and keep it to yourself. 
call them out, you know? Mm -hmm. If you don't, that's as bad or worse than the person that did it because you know it's wrong and you choose not to say it's wrong. Do you know what the requirements to be a police officer are? Not really. They go through six months of training. So a lot of them have college degrees. Don't get me wrong. Six months. Sometimes they do a year and they can be a beat cop. That means they basically got trained by someone. But if you get trained by a bad cop, what do you think happens? Right. You get trained the wrong way. You Mm -hmm. get trained with a lot of these ill-conceived mindsets embedded in you. Like, I think there needs to be more than six months or eight or 18 months or whatever it is. I know it starts off as six months, but I think they get like continued training in a probationary period. That's the big thing is there needs to be more training. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you have to have a college degree, but I do think you need to to be more than, hey, you just went through the academy and you shoot better than everybody and you ran faster and you were stronger because that doesn't necessarily mean you have the mindset to be a police officer. Right. Know how to talk to people. Yeah. I recognize mental illness. There's a lot that needs to go into it. I'm going to take it a step further. I think that every police station or every police department across the country, and I know it'll cost money, but I don't care. I think every police department across the country should have a governing body that is nationally recognized, that investigates shootings, investigates internal corruption, investigates things like that. Because right now, if you file a police, if you file a report against a police officer, do you know who investigates it? Internal affairs, right? That's yeah, but it's cops, right? It's part of the police department. It's just like. Basically, it's saying this, well, it's a cop, and I want to make sure it's a cop, and I'm going to have cops investigate it. No, bring in somebody outside. But these people have to be trained the right way, so it should be investigated by someone other than police officers that doesn't have the implicit bias, and that basically just says, hey, you know what, I think this was right, or I think this was wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, people are going to say, oh, only cops understand cops. That's the problem. If a cop understands a cop, guess what? He's not going to tell you he was wrong. It's the society we live in. They're not going to be like, oh, well, you know, he was wrong. Right. So that's I think that's where it all needs to start. They need to be more cognizant of who is investigating things. I will summarize most of what I'm saying. People need to stop voting with their party and vote with their conscience. How did racism become a political issue? Jamie, do you know why I love you? (laughs) I love you because you see exactly what I'm trying to say without me saying. At the end of the day, racism is not political. It is social and it is something that as a person Not just as a a white person or a black person, but as a person, you should hate racism. When is speaking out on racism political? There's nothing political about For me to be outraged that a a cop stood on a guy's neck and a crowd of people were begging him to stop makes me a liberal snowflake. No, that makes me a human fucking being with... A person. Yes. Like... Empathy and compassion. Yeah, I just don't understand how Black Lives Matter has become like 
supporting it has become like a political thing. It's like, no, it's just. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's not a Republican Democrat issue. And it's just. But they're making it a Republican Democrat issue because yeah. Supreme Orange Commander said that it's the great <laughs> thing to do. Black Lives Matter is 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 a is a terrorist group are you kidding me right now yeah you on national television could not denounce white supremacy but black lives matter is a terrorist terrorist organization are you kidding me right now you could be democratic all your life you can be republican all your life but you've been a human being since birth if somebody doesn't represent what you are don't do it just because they they wear a little blue tie or a little red tie do it because it's the right thing to do. I mean, right from wrong is still right from wrong. It doesn't matter what side you vote on. Yeah. And people just need to stop believing everything they they read or that somebody tweets out. All these things about George Floyd this and this person did this and this person did that. Like, don't just Google it and Google one source. Google multiple sources and compare the story. Right. Because if you Google one source, you might just get one person's perspective on it. But if you Google multiple sources, then you can generally get the facts. But like, just do some research, people. It's not that hard. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah, we're definitely a society of repeaters. So-and-so told me this. And so I'm going to go tell these people that. Or I heard this on this radio program and it's like we just kind of spew one side of things or from one source and it's like like people people don't necessarily do their own research or look into things on their own they just repeat some garbage that they've heard and take it as fact and run with it then it spreads yeah and it keeps spreading they read one thing and that is the gospel and then they can't change their mind. And then when they are proven to be wrong, they will tell you 20 reasons why, even though they're wrong, that's still the right thing. We also need to be smart enough to know what's right and what's wrong. If you want your kids to be better, then you got to be better. If you want your kids to grow up in a society that is not completely racist and a system that is is hard for people of color to, to actually find things that are positive – then teach your kids to not be racist pieces of shit and say, hey, you know what? I want you to be better than me. Any parent should want their kids to have better and be better than they are. That's my goal. I want them to have a better life than I had. That's it. We got to do this more often. I know. We don't have to do the podcast, but we got to talk more often. I know, for sure. Great to talk to you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for doing this. Jamie, I love you so much. I love you're, you. You're one of my favorite people. Ditto, man. That's right. <laughs> I'm always here. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Linwood, thank you so much. And um, I hope that for you and your kids and every other person of color that things start to improve. One of my heroes and one of the biggest inspirations for me starting this podcast is my grandma Marie, who I unfortunately lost a few years ago. And when I told her that I was gay, 
I believe she would have been around 93 at the time and I had been avoiding telling her for years. And when I told her that I was gay, she got a little teary-eyed, but she grabbed my hands and she said, I don't understand, but it's not my job to understand. It's my job to love you just as you are. And that was one of the most just honest, loving moments that I've ever had and something I haven't forgotten and think about often. And I don't know why we can't have that mindset for everyone. I don't know why there's so much hatred and just this mindset that, well, that doesn't affect me, so I don't give a shit. And it sucks, and I, I don't understand it, and it makes me so sad that my grandmother, who was 95 when she passed away, was more open-minded, more compassionate, more empathetic than so many people in this country. Like we, we don't have to understand everything about each other. We don't. But we have to accept our differences and be open to hearing other experiences and what life is like for other people and be able to go, I don't understand that, but if I were in that position, how would I feel? Or what kind of impact would that have on me? And just, you know, like my grandma said, just love people just as they are for who they are. And that's it. So anyway, I just wanted to share that story with you. I'm sorry I got emotional, but it's, I'm just kind of at a loss and I just want things to be better for everyone. And um, so thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Linwood. Be good to each other. And until next time, hey, know what I heard?